Let us hear God's word once again. Before I read that, I got to say what Dolores read was so beautiful from Isaiah. You know, the trees of the field will clap their hands. It's such a beautiful text from Isaiah about joy and, and about how God works um, to bring about just wonderfulness in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 6. What I mean is this the one who sows a small number of seeds will also reap a small crop. And the one who sows a generous amount of seeds will also reap a generous crop. Everyone should give whatever they have decided in their heart. They shouldn't give with hesitation or because of pressure. God loves a cheerful giver. God has the power to provide you with more than enough of every kind of grace. That way, you will have everything you need always and in everything to provide more than enough for every kind of good work. As it is written, he scatters everywhere. He gave to the needy. His righteousness remains forever. The one who supplied seed for planting and bread for eating will supply and multiply your seed and increase your crop which is righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. Church, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Hey, almighty and gracious God, I ask that you hide me behind your cross so that our focus remains on you and not me. As your Holy Spirit works in our hearts and minds today, so that when we leave this space, what we think and say and do recognizes your work in our life, in the lives of our neighbors, and in the world. Amen. The sermon series really reaches to the idea that following Jesus is a way of being, and it's also a way of becoming. You know, we're becoming deeper and deeper as followers of Jesus, deeper and deeper in love with God, deeper and deeper experiencing and responding to God's grace. That's a Henry Nowlin quote that our spiritual life is not just a way of being, it's a way of becoming. Just like a musician, like Alan Bailey, the first day he played a piano, he didn't sound like he sounded today, I think. Is that true, Alan? Okay, maybe. <laughs> Ask his mama, yeah so, yeah. so he didn't become the musician he is today. He was being a musician, but his practice helped him become the musician he is today, the amazing musician he is today. As followers of Jesus, we are being followers of Jesus and as we respond to God, we confess sin, we grow in grace, we do works responding to God's grace, acts of service, we become deeper and deeper a follower of Jesus. It's almost like muscle memory we have, but it's like spiritual memory. We start having the spiritual memory so we can identify when we see God's work in our life, 
We can identify when we see God's work in the world and not miss God's activity or assign it to something else. I was watching a double play um, on the playoffs the other night. Uh, it's the Major League Baseball playoffs headed to the World Series. Um, and I'm a Braves fan, and they lost to the Phillies last night. And I was watching the game, and there was this great double play turn. This ball was hit to second. The second baseman threw it to the shortstop. The shortstop barely touched the bag with his foot and threw it to first. Like that. You know, I played baseball growing up, and I, I know that shortstop and that second baseman practiced that hour after hour, day after day, to develop the muscle memory. So that just happens, right? Likewise, I was watching the U.S. Open uh, tennis tournament this year. I was watching the women's competition, and these women would bounce the ball, and they'd throw it up, and they would just have this amazing form in their serves, right? Like every time. Sometimes they would fault, but so many times all this fluidity came with this amazing, powerful serve. They had muscle memory to do it. As followers of Jesus, when we talk about the life of faith and having the disciplines of Christians, is developing that spiritual memory so that we recognize and identify God's work we respond to it, and we are people who maybe can become, like the reading, of people who become cheerful givers because of what God is giving all to us. That text is famous, right? John Wesley talked about that some too. Being a cheerful giver. And around that sentence was what God is doing in grace, what God has done in the past, that text quoted a psalm. It quoted Psalm 112, verse 9. It talked about God giving you more than enough and talked about sowing and reaping because if we don't sow a lot, we don't reap a lot. But if we sow a lot, we do reap a lot. How do we do that? How do we become people who are cheerful at giving and there's something about when we give and our hearts become generous people, give of our time, give financially, you know, um, give of our talents, something that changes in us or something that happens, we develop some kind of spiritual memory we may not have already. I think part of this starts with maybe for you, maybe it just starts, you just start giving. You start becoming generous and maybe if you just do it long enough, it gets into your bones. Maybe you're the person that I'll just start doing it and I kind of learn on the fly, right? And I learn through that. Another way to think about it is to start with something that's foundational and that is that you are chosen by God. God has chosen you. And whenever we have memories of being chosen, I think we have memories of not being chosen. I have a lot of memories in my life of not being picked for something or not being chosen. Maybe it's a job I wasn't chosen for, right? Maybe it's a promotion that went to somebody else. Maybe I went to the interview, but it didn't go well. Maybe it's a relationship where somebody chose to move on. I believe in life, we have memories of being chosen, 
alongside memories of not being chosen. And that can sometimes erode our identity as chosen by God. So I grew up, I remember elementary school, this happened. We had PE classes in elementary school and the PE coach would assign team captains, right? Or you're the team captain over here and you're the team captain over there. And y'all choose your teammates, right? And the PE class of 30 people will be whittled down until there's like two left. And then there's one left. And the last person's not even chosen. They just put their head down in shame and go to the team. I hope we don't do that in school anymore, by the way. We have memories of being chosen and we have memories of not being chosen. So a show on TV called The Bachelor or Bachelorette, right? There's one right now called The Golden Bachelor, right? And those things always have this ceremony toward the end, right? Where there's a rose ceremony where the person is picking and has a rose and hands it out to people who are in the room. Will you accept this rose? But some people aren't offered a rose and they're not chosen. And they have to go home on camera, right? <laughs> of course, they signed up to do this. I know that, right? But it's a model of not being chosen. Our identity as chosen people, I think a taproot of our faith that cultivates generosity and speaks against bitterness is knowing that we are chosen. Because hearts can be full of generosity, but because of life, because things happen, our hearts can be habitat for bitterness. It's easy to become bitter. Some of us have a good reason, arguably a right to be bitter and angry about things. I had a, uh, a mentor growing up named Alan, and Alan played guitar. And Alan played guitar. If you play guitar, he played acoustical guitar, but some, maybe some electric. He had a guitar pick. <clears throat> and guitar picks are these little wooden or plastic things that you can use to pick the strings. <clears throat> and on his guitar picks, he would order these guitar picks that said, God picked you. <clears throat> and he would hand them out to people as a reminder, God picked you, and God picked you, and God picked you. So in a moment, I want you to turn to somebody around you, and I want you to ask their name. And then when you hear their name, you can say their name, God picked you. I'll model it. Brina, God picked you. Jim, God picked you. So I want you to turn to people around you and get their first name and tell them that God picked you. Once we can feel that and hear it, we can share that with others. Throughout life, things may not choose you, and you may feel like you're not chosen. And when you feel that way and feel that bitterness come in, part of faith and part of that spiritual memory 
is trusting that you're chosen even when you don't feel it. There'll be some nights or days you don't even feel it. And part of faith is trusting in that. And part of the life of faith is finding places where people give you that blessing that you are chosen, you are worthy, you have value to God, and finding those places and spaces where you hear those words of encouragement when other people may tell you words that aren't encouraging. And also celebrating where you hear those words. I was chosen. I heard something great today. I think it's easy for us as human beings to focus on the things where we weren't chosen or the times where we think we failed, but not the good stuff. I've heard so many coaches and great athletes tell, uh, say to reporters or I read their books, they say, I always remember the defeats, but I don't remember the victories. Part of the spiritual discipline of cultivating this place to be generous and not have bitterness in our hearts is remembering and celebrating and maybe writing down the times you heard that good news, the time you received and experienced God's grace in your life. Name those times. Write it on a sticky note. Say it in your prayer life. Remember it. We're working on cultivating the soil so that this generosity can grow in our hearts. And if it doesn't replace bitterness, at least it's next to it. So it speaks to us along with the bitterness and anger that can happen in life. Perhaps the best way to cultivate these habits of seeing God at work and experiencing God's blessing is to have an active prayer life. You know, prayer is when we kind of name to God our truths. Prayer is a time where we can just acknowledge wounds and hurts in relationships that play out in day-to-day -day life. Prayer is a time that we can listen to God and hear God's word that comes out from Isaiah, as Dolores read, come into the spaces and our doubts and our fears and speak alongside those and come into our bitterness and the unfairness that happens in life because life is not always fair. When we have that habit of prayer life. We can receive and cultivate the soil. So the sower that Corinthians talked about, that Paul talks about, God's seeds are planted and God's seeds can grow on our hearts. So we become generous people who then can give cheerfully, not angrily, not upsetly, but give because we recognize what all that God has given to us. Corinthians talks about what I just read. There's enough grace. There's more than enough grace. There's no rose ceremony when they run out of roses. There's enough roses for everybody. <laughs> There's grace upon grace. It's abundance. It's not scarcity. It's having that prayer life and space. And how do you pray? Like, what's the best way to pray? There's a lot of right ways to pray. There's a lot of right ways. Some people I know like to pray a method, like some people pray acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Hey, God, I adore you. Thank you for who you are. Um, I um, confess that sometimes I've failed, and here's some things I wish you'd help me grow into. I give thanks you hear me, and you supply my needs. 
Here's some things. Please help me. Please help my friends. Please help the world. It's that ACTS, A-C-T-S, model of prayer. Some people like to pray something called Lectio Divina. They read a scripture and pause and listen and meditate. They read it again and pause and listen and meditate. They read it slowly and listen and hear God speak through the slowly reading of scripture. Two or three verses, read them, pause and read them again. They can pray that way. Some people like to pray with open hands. They put their hands out on their lap, on the kitchen counter, on their desk at work. Just lay them out there, right? God, I'm open. Kind of like the Samuel from the Old Testament. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Speak, Lord, my hands are open. Some people like to pray to music. Psalms were mostly sung, right? That anthem was a prayer. Some people like to pray to music, and they pray as they sing. There's a lot of right ways to pray. The main thing is we choose to do it intentionally to work to cultivate in our hearts the space and the soil for gratitude. So this taproot of being chosen by God and responding to God is always there. And that gratitude in our hearts, that generosity can grow and speak even louder than bitterness.